3: Good morning, cherries fans and welcome to this latest episode of cherry picking here on up the cherries in all departments. Now, what we will do is I will go through some very, very important news with regards to the channel in the moment. There's lots of important news going around AFC Bournemouth, but let me introduce the main men beside me. So I have got the one and only Matthew Harrison. How are you doing, Matt? All good, Craig. All good. Looking forward to a bumper show. Excellent stuff.
1: And we've also got Manny. How you doing, Manny? All good, all good, all good. My favourite time of the week, going cherry picking. Just to say it's a shame I can't eat those cherries or make a pie out of them, but still, always good fun. Excellent stuff. And of course, um, there was some quite a few pundits
3: eating cherry pie um, at, last week, when of course we secured our survival. Okay, yeah, Everton being beaten, did it, but there we go. But you might notice, if you're watching on YouTube, notice that bit, watching on YouTube, you might notice something directly below me. We are now the AFC Bournemouth TalkSport Fan Network channel. So what that means is we are on all your favourite podcasts so we're on google we're on spotify of course we'll stay on youtube you can watch the full video versions on youtube um but we are also going to be on apple music as well you name it we're getting everywhere so um it's exciting times isn't it guys yeah
4: yeah, yes uh great news to be on uh talk
1: yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more I mean, the exposure will really only do wonders for the channel. And I'm really, really happy. Excited as well. Definitely, mate. Definitely. And
3: please, 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 if you are listening to us on one of those mediums, please do hit that like, subscribe, follow button it changes from channel to channel but please do that because it really will mean the world to us and we'll be able to see as well where we're getting the most traction from as well but let's get back to the football so that is some good news also make sure you hit the subscribe button that's in the corner as well that always does us good on youtube but um let's firstly talk about the game that is coming up this week and of course, we have the visit of a team that is chasing the Champions League, aren't they?
4: Yeah, they're definitely going to be after the points. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's it's. Uh,
4: I remember the first time we played United um, in the Premier League, and you know it was a big, excitable occasion, and um, you know the the most successful well one of the most successful teams in England coming to Dean Court and a league game was great and to win it was even better um but uh yeah it's gonna be a difficult game um they are in desperate need of the points to secure the Champions League place um and we are on a lull let's not beat it down the bush you know we, we've you know if you saw us play against palace i don't think we even got into their half of most of the game from what i can remember from the watch along and um we had no poor, shots weren't we. extremely poor so um let's hope now we're safe mathematically mm-hmm. um let's hope that uh the boys turn out and uh give the home fans a good show in before uh they break off for the summer
3: Yep, most definitely. And Manny, um, we're talking about Man United there. And, you know, of course, they've got something to play for. Maybe we haven't. Every place we move up is a couple of extra million, which is really, really important to this football club. Um, With or without Bill Foley, let's be honest. Um, But Manchester United have hit a bit of a bad run of form because they've lost their two last away games, haven't they?
1: They have. And I think it's fair to say, um, Craig, that the best teams are able to maintain a much um, better away record than desired. Um, Certainly, if you take a look at Liverpool, for instance, who, of course, lost at Dean Court, their away record could very well be what cost them their spot in the top four. And they're also making a mad dash towards the top four um, with Eddie Howe's side in some jeopardy. But I'll tell you what, with the run in that Eddie Howe's side has, I think they should be able to make it. And that's going to be a great deal of satisfaction for um, Bournemouth supporters. But over to Manchester United. Um, They have shown a tendency in in, uh, quite a few games to um, lose a little bit of focus when things just don't go their way. And what's certainly been apparent is that whenever um, any uh, potential attacks involving Rashford or whoever it might be would um, break down, you could see that... um, you know, they tend to lose their patience, they lose their composure, and they tend to run out of ideas. And that's pretty much a consequence of the, t- of the squad that um, Eric Ten Hag has and um, the um, work he will need to do next season to make sure they become a lot more um, successful in addition to being more competitive. Um, this is a game where, which they will be expected to win. I wouldn't necessarily see their position in the top four being under threat, but um, they will obviously want to go out and um, produce um, a more than decent performance. And uh, I I think you're also spot on when you say that Bournemouth do have something for for which to play, because every position, as you said, you finish higher. um, It earns a little bit more in terms of dosh for the team. So um, I think, um, as Matthew said, this should be a time when the pressure should be off because now you are safe um literally and mathematically and that will be emphasized and uh yeah this is going to be an opportunity for some of the um players who probably uh, i'd like to see some rotation perhaps maybe some players who haven't played um as often could maybe get their chance i wouldn't necessarily say weaken the team but uh you know just freshen it up a little bit try a, new, um, a different um um a, a different lineup but I I definitely want to see Gary O'Neill make sure he takes this game seriously because, yes, you've achieved your aim, but um, you're entertaining Manchester United. I'm pretty certain that you are going to have a good group of supporters in the stands um, hailing your premiership status. It probably might not necessarily be waving the uh, red towels and chanting, we're staying up in the process, but still... You certainly wouldn't want um, what I think might be your last home game of the season to be um, disappointing. I mean, I don't know if this is your last game. It might be. But Manchester United coming to town, you're going to want to impress. Well,
3: exactly. Of course, we've got that away game against Everton, but this is the last home game. and You want to go out in front of the home crowd with a bit of a bang, um, especially considering all the great work we've done. It would just feel like a bit of a dampener If we go out and don't put in a performance, you know, getting beat is fair enough. You know, if we get beat by a better side, but if we don't really turn up for this game, then that'll be disappointing.
1: Yeah, I like the way you especially said that you're in a bit of a lull, because if you take a look at the games against Palace and of course West Ham at Dean Court, Um, It is fair to say that you were dominated in both those games. The Chelsea game was especially a disappointment because I think, you know, although Chelsea did play well, you also had your chances. So, yeah, um, last home game, you really, really will want to set the record straight. Exactly. Exactly.
3: Well, let's look at some players um, who were once a Red Devil, but also a Cherry as well. So, gone Matt far away. Okay,
4: well, let's have a look at the first one.
3: The young one here? Yep, um, I know just who that is. That is Chris Casper. Um he played he alongside wasn't he in the um class of ninety two, wasn't he? Yes he was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's
4: currently is he director of football at Salford? Something's I like. think
3: so yeah he I think he had some time at Berry, didn't he when they went they were struggling um and of course got and to be honest this was scandalous really you know being expelled from the football league BFL um because of a man who wasn't a football man at the top but we could go into that in a lot more detail but um yeah he was a very very good player and I think did he have his ing- career ended early Yeah, it was a bad leg break, wasn't it? That that did him. I think so. Yeah, I think so.
4: Shame, because um, obviously he came from a very, very good youth team, didn't he? Of uh, many, many names. Um, Yes. Played for Bournemouth on loan during the nineteen ninety five to ninety six season, and uh, yeah, one of uh, one of just several players to have. played for both so we'll have a look at the next one see if you see if either of you can get this
3: one uh that that's russell Beersmore, isn't it no (laughs) wow there we go i've cocked
4: that up Um, (laughs) this is um this is graham tomlinson Ah uh, right, and uh, yeah. I believe on loan he scored a goal for us. Um, was a forward, was was meant to be a pretty decent forward, and was destined mm-hmm. to have a decent career at, at certain levels. But I think it kind of fizzled out as as he as he got older. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's Graham Tomlinson. He was on loan with us the season after Chris Casper. I believe it was the nineteen. Was it the 1996-97 season, I believe? Let's have a look at the next one anyway. Yeah, go for it. I'm sure we'll all get this one.
3: Uh, that's Josh King.
4: Josh King. Yep. Um Actually did play in the first team for United as well, um, briefly. Um, but yeah, he's... Um, on to bigger and
3: better things, isn't he?
4: Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> ah. really. You know, it's a shame because he, yeah. he, he is a he was a good player for Bournemouth. Um, he was good partnership with Wilson, and when Wilson wasn't in the team, obviously that season uh, we finished uh, ninth in the Premier. He uh, stepped up and was leading goal scorer. So, um good all-round servant in the Premier League for, for Bournemouth. Just a shame it ended the way it did. But
3: um... I think he was outstanding, you know, at times. Um, especially I think it was 2017-18 he was absolutely outstanding, you know, alongside. I remember him scoring a penalty against Everton, didn't he? Um, and, you know, what? some of his link-up play was very, very good. You know, he's a good you know, he, he wasn't doing much wrong at all. I think what disappointed me about Josh King was when he come to the end of his time here after, you know, we were relegated. He just didn't seem to be interested or bothered. Um, and I bet he's probably kicking himself now. He he was expecting a sale, wasn't he? Um, he was. He, he, he
4: made his intentions clear that he, he wanted to leave. Um, hence his squad number was given to... Uh, Someone who we we'll find out later. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, you know, he, he kind of was in and out of the team on the bench, and I think he scored a couple of goals in the cup for older against Oldham, didn't he? Yeah, uh, and then then eventually he did get his uh, his move to back to the Premier League for only a very very
3: brief spell. See, I think it's stupid when players. Act like that, you know, rather than fighting for the shirt. His time at Everton was a complete and utter joke. To be honest, I'm pretty oh, sure from that... A career,
4: from a career perspective, it was a waste of time, wasn't it, really? Mm. Um, it wasn't like he was getting plagued.
3: Um, and I think for most of the time, he sat on the bench, didn't he? Well, exactly. I'm sure Everton probably won him at the moment, but considering the predicament they're in. But... Um, then he ended up at Watford. And I, if he had just fought for this football club and tried to get us back to where, you know, Josh King, being in that side, in the Championship, could have fired us into the Premier League in one season. And then he's back where he wants to be. But instead, no, what he did was he jo- chose to throw his toys out of his pram. And it's not the first time this has happened, unfortunately. Won't be the
4: last either. Shall we uh, have a look at the next one?
3: Yeah, go for it. John O'Shea.
4: John O'Shea. Oh, wow. Now, my memory of John O'Shea was being at the New Den and him scoring against Millwall is my uh, main memory of of him being here. Um, Yeah, went on to, obviously win a lot of trophies with United, um, obviously represented Sunderland, um, finished his career at Reading. I think he'd become a coach at Reading for a little bit. Um, yeah. And not too sure what he's doing now.
1: Does anybody know what, what he's up to? I'm not sure. I I believe according to, um, Wikipedia, I mean, I know it's not a very trusted source, but he is actually a part of the, uh, Um, Republic of Ireland coaching set up Uh serving under Stephen Kenny and obviously given the career he had as an international he is quite rightly remembered for his um, exploits with both Manchester United and Ireland uh, one of um, their um, stalwarts if you will and uh, yes he he certainly um, sought after in Irish footballing circles I just hope though that um, there'll be some progress with the Irish team because they seem to be going on the path of trying to get, um, a few more youngsters, um, playing for them. And certainly, um, Bournemouth's very own Mark Travers will have good memories working with, um, O'Shea and continuing to work with him. But, uh, sadly on the other scale, Darren Randolph might not be considered, but, uh, certainly O'Shea having done some pretty good work, um, you know, near the end of his career, earning his coaching badges has got everything set for him wonderfully well, but it is wonderful that he had his, had a formative spell at Bournemouth. And it's wonderful how, you know, when you take a look at some of these legendary players, including one more, I'm sure with a Manchester United connection, they sort of came to Bournemouth at an early stage in their career and sort of helped. And that sort of helped fine tune their games a little bit. So, um, I'm sure, um, his uh, success should be a source of pride for all of you.
3: I think O'Shea, you know, he's always, a, uh, he's always been an unsung hero. Hasn't he really? Oh yes.
1: Oh yes.
4: Mm. yes. Never
1: one to, um, caught the limelight, cause he caught the limelight. Unlike, um, his, uh, compatriot Roy Keane, but unlike Roy Keane, he played in the champions league final and won it. <laughs>
4: yeah. That very,
1: is... very true. <laughs> Uh,
4: should we move on?
3: Go for yes, it. Please. Go for
4: it. Okay, here's an interesting one. Right, this is a player called Mark Rawlinson, um, who represented United at youth level, mm-hmm. but he's actually pictured here representing—is um, it FC, FC United, United of Manchester? Yeah, so he's he's gone sort of full circle. He's gone United, Bournemouth. Um, I think he's been elsewhere in between as well. But yeah, he, he's actually represented uh, both uh, Red Manchester clubs.
3: It's quite interesting. What are how are FC United doing now? I've got no idea, to be honest with you. Course, it was a protest club, wasn't it? That was set up because of the Glazers. And of course, we had Macy on our preview earlier on as well. And she was mentioning the Glazers. And it's quite an interesting setup. Um, it's something that, you know, I, you know, she knows it very, very clearly and, you know, knows exactly how it operates. But, you know, to somebody who doesn't really take much of an interest in Manchester United like myself, it's something that is it's very confusing and it seems very positioned towards keeping the Glazers in full power, even though they might not own the lion's share of the football club. It's an interesting one. Mm, Interest very interesting one. But you can see why the Man United fans did start that f- club. Um, so is it it's an interesting version of a phoenix club of course we've had afc wimbledon off the back of wimbledon um you know i'm sure that we'll have many others i know scarborough are doing well and darlington are doing well now um and those are both phoenix clubs Aldershot town did very well as well of course phoenix club of Aldershot but it's a different sort of phoenix club isn't it really that yeah yeah totally different
4: but uh, okay let's have a look at the the next one
3: Yep, go for it. <laughs> now, no prizes for guessing who that is. <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> you got no idea. you got no idea. Um, Manny, any idea?
1: I'm just as clueless as the both of you.
3: Well, if you are listening on Spotify or another platform, um, the player in question is a certain George Best, um, one of the greatest players ever to have lived, one of the most skillful players ever to have lived, and believe it or not, he played for Bournemouth.
4: He certainly did. He certainly did. Not for a great period
3: period of time, but you play for Bournemouth.
4: No. Uh, yeah. he, he was more brought in to try and put some attendance on the gate, try and generate some money for the club. Um but it's an honour to know that you know one of the greatest players to ever grace the game has pulled on a cherry shirt and has, has graced the football pitch
1: at Dean Court. Um, an ex teammate of a certain Ted McDougall, as was mentioned in an earlier podcast, yes,
4: yes, also an mm. ex teammate of Ted, yeah, absolutely. Manny, um, yeah, I mean, I've like, like you've both seen before on cherry picking, you know, I've got his book, I've read up on his book, I watched documentaries about the guy. Fascinating, fascinating life, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just yeah, it's just amazing to think that he's actually
1: represented our football club. Yep, still had the skills, even if his pace pace had sort of um, you know dulled a bit. And um, certainly a good signing for the purpose of getting people through the turnstiles to watch the team. And I think yeah, it's rather fitting really that he began his um, career at Manchester United and ended it at Bournemouth. So. I'm glad that he's mentioned because these two clubs have pretty much um, served as the type of um, bookend, bookends rather, to his um, career in many ways. And uh, I think he certainly did enjoy his time at um, at, at Bournemouth, and it is um, quite wonderful that he was able to find some happiness over there before his um, career ended. So, yeah. um, yep, yeah. always, um, always has to be mentioned, no matter what.
4: Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, from Mister Best, we go to a current squad player who's obviously uh, been playing out on loan. Uh, yes, Ben Pearson. How baby-faced he looks there in his United kit.
3: <laughs> he does, don't he? He does. He's so. I like Ben Pearson. You know, he's an honest player. He's. you You're always going to get. from him. He's not going to be the greatest, most skillful player, um, but he's a workhorse. Yeah, he he
4: gets stuck in and he likes to win the ball. And, um, you know, he's he's a midfielder that, you know, you rarely, if ever, see dodge a tackle. Um, Bit of an old-fashioned mould.
0: Yeah.
3: In terms
4: of his playing style, you know, it's, it's do you say his style is a dying breed now? I wouldn't say a dying breed, but you don't see a lot of his kind of style anymore. Um. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's been, you know, it was a surprise to see at the start of the season when um Scott Parker opt, opted to uh, start him um, against Villa. I think everyone was kind of surprised, but obviously we went on and won that game, so... Um, yeah, it's a shame that, you know, it hasn't fully worked out for him here yet, but d- does he have a future with Bournemouth? I mean, we'll soon find out, but yeah, I mean, he's a player that I've, I've enjoyed watching when we, when we have
3: had him in the side. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, most definitely. Here's one for you. Have a guess there again, a <laughs> uh, That is Russell Small, that one. I don't yeah. know why I said Russell Beers more earlier on, but you know, <laughs> um, I am—I do cock up every now and again. You <laughs> certainly Yes, of course. But,
4: we uh, covered might him be off. Quite a mania here, you see, to put you straight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Old Manny normally puts both of us two straight to be fair. Well, but, yes, uh, very true. There have
1: been there have been times, gentlemen, when you've had to put me straight. So listen, we're all we all help each other, simple as that. Um yeah. Three amigos. Three that's three it. musketeers. I mean, all for one go. and one for all.
4: That's it. That's it. But um yeah, beards ball. Um remember a lot of him from when, when I was obviously growing up watching Bournemouth um, but yeah he's one of, he's classed as a Fergie Fledgling yes um, and let's go, well obviously this guy had to wow. be a legend well exactly
3: what a legend he has been um, you know of course come on loan at Dean Court. Um, years and years and yeah. years ago. But um, of course, Manchester United legend, England legend, um, quality player, Rio yeah. Ferdinand.
4: Yeah, obviously, I've told the story on here to both of you that obviously, when he was on loan at Bournemouth, Machin was the manager and, and purely called him class, didn't call him by his name, called him class. And um, I was actually listening to a podcast with Ian Cox a little while ago. And Ian Cox was saying about when he played at the back with Rio, and obviously he was just transitioning from a midfielder at the time. He yeah. said it was great because even though Rio was so young, he learned a bit off of Rio as well, which helped yes. it settle into that sort of centre back role. And um, the picture of him there in the Man United gear, that's mm-hmm. actually Mel Machin's testimonial. The first game he played for United in a friendly once he signed from Leeds, uh, was down at Dean Court, which was live on Manchester United TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so at the time we were like, wow, pre-season friendly on live on TV. Um, but yeah, he come back down with a couple of other senior United players
1: and um, played a Mel Maitre's testimonial. So that was wonderful. Yeah. And I could tell that that was when he had just signed, because interestingly enough, that was a period when he wanted to sort of make a statement by dyeing his hair I wouldn't necessarily say white, but definitely a sort of um, an off-blonde colour. And it certainly came across too when Ferguson as a bit of a flash Harry. But um, thankfully, under Ferguson's tutelage, he sort of mellowed down a little bit. And, uh, I mean, obviously, he grew up in the East End of London, became rich, made a fortune, and, you yeah. know, fancy himself a sort of um, uh, flash... Dan or whatever you might want to call him but I think the move to Leeds obviously mellowed him a little bit then after leaving Leeds he wanted to make a statement but uh, you could say that um, he matured and mellowed when he was um, at Leeds and Manchester but again as with John O'Shea the fact that he was able to come and spend some time at Dean Court and sort of um, you know learn the ropes and make it as um, a footballer. It is, is really wonderful. In fact, I'm not too sure if he and O'Shea were teammates at the time. It might have been a different period, though.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they were teammates. Yeah, yeah they were teammates. But, um, you know, of course, I think Rio, Rio actually gave, hung up his boots before O'Shea, if I'm
1: right in thinking. Yeah, I mean, I know they were teammates. No, no, the question was, I mean, obviously they were teammates at Manchester United. I wanted to yeah. know if they were teammates at AFC Bournemouth, and certainly oh, no. they weren't. No,
4: no, no they weren't. Um, I think there was about a two to three season gap between yes, that's right. Rio coming down and, and John O'Shea coming down. John O'Shea come down in the, I think it was the 99-2000 season, John O'Shea come and joined Bournemouth on loan yeah now yeah. uh, we've got one more.
3: can you, yeah.
4: you guess who it might be
3: Well I think I think this player is one of the greatest players that's played for this football club um, and quite a big name um and I think that we've got a stand named after him. am I right? Yes you are. Excellent.
4: There's the there's Mr. McDougal. McDougal. and that's uh i'm sure there's other players as well um if i've missed somebody out um there's been a lot of stuff going on this week i've been preparing a lot of stuff uh, cherry picking this week so this one kind of took a back seat so uh if i have missed anybody please pop it in the comments
3: yes do that do that and all the details will be below as well where you can put comments as well i believe on spotify and google and everything you know still getting used to that but yes uh, do last
4: like night you seem to now be on
3: <laughs> every single app that you could ever imagine you know we're on facebook aren't we we're on twitter we're on instagram we're now on spotify google apple um youtube of course um so yeah there we go leave the comments and we (laughs) will get to them or see them some way and if we don't see them and they're just sat there um go on to the youtube channel and just put the comment on there and push us in that direction because we will see it at some point on there though saying that i seem to do a bulk response to everybody so i do apologize about that on youtube so Shall we have a look at the head-to-head against Manchester United? Yeah, I'll bring it up now. Let's
1: have a look. It's not a long one, guys, so uh, we won't be here for a while. But uh, yeah,
3: <laughs> nice, nice
1: and I'm pre- short. I'm, I'm pretty certain that FA Cup game will be in this list. I can't wait to hear more about it. Uh, it's going to yeah, be. I
3: think you're right.
4: <laughs> the giant killing act of the 80s. So, yes, Manny, um, it's in there. Um, cup games really that's all we've played with united obviously um over the years um the one that obviously stands out is the 7th of january 1984 uh when ron atkinson brought a um very decent united side down to dean court yeah um Obviously, on paper, the old saying, on paper, they should have hammered us. But um, if you see there, this, that's actually pictured there's a young Brian Robson, mm-hmm. who I believe hadn't uh, that long signed for United. Um, the picture in the bottom right-hand corner there, that is actually a Bournemouth goal being scored by a Milton Graham. Yes, Milton Graham. Now, Milton Graham, mm-hmm. my auntie, actually went out with back then. Well, there we um, go. <laughs> um, Or around that time, she went out with Milton Graham at some point. Um, but yes, um, third round of the FA Cup. Um, packed out Dean Court. I think it was about 14,800 in Dean Court on the day. Um to see well basically Harry Redknapp's team of mismatch and free transfers and very, very minimal wages beat the multi million pound assembly of Ron Atkinson. Yeah. Um
3: yeah. I
4: I was uh unfortunately not there. Um I, I wasn't born, but uh my dad was. Um, and at the time, it was massive, massive news. This was when the FA Cup was the FA Cup. I mean, I don't know about you two, yeah. just while we're on the subject of the FA Cup. I think the FA Cup has lost a sense of magic. It has, um, yeah. And I think that's mainly down to TV. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, I'm sure Manny will remember FA Cup day was you'd get up and you'd start watching the coverage from about sort of half 10, 11 o'clock. You'd be at one team's hotel with one reporter, another team's hotel with another reporter. Then they all pile onto the team bus. And then you got build up at Wembley. And it was just, everybody looked forward to the FA
1: Cup final. Yeah. Even stand kid, on. Grandstand on the BBC, yeah, Desmond Line and Bob Wilson and company. And you're yeah. absolutely spot on, Matt. They did a wonderful job covering every single thing, um, you know, from the beginning and leading up to that um, day.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And now the FA Cup final is at, what, quarter to five, half past five on a Saturday afternoon. It's lost all its magic for me. Do you know what I actually prefer? And I enjoy watching the League Cup final more, the Carabao Cup final more than I do the FA Cup final. Yes, yeah. lost all its magic over the years, and you know, and like the semi-finals, I'm one of these that think the semi-finals should be neutral ground because the idea of getting to a cup final is that you play at Wembley. Um, couldn't agree I just, more. I just think it's lost a bit of magic. Just while we're on the subject of the FA Cup, there, just thought I'd throw it in. But um, I
3: honestly, completely agree with you. I think the semi-finals should be at. You know, unless Aston Villa or, say, for example, Manchester United are in that game, should be held at Old Trafford or you could have it at Anfield, Villa Park. There's plenty um, of stadiums. There's so
4: much stadia in this country that depending yeah. geographically where the teams match up, you go to the nearest neutral ground. You know, I mean, traditionally yeah. it was um, like Villa Park have hosted a lot. Um I remember the semifinal there, Man United Arsenal, when uh I think giggsy dribbled it around pretty much everybody, didn't he? Yes.
2: Um,
4: you know, Hillsborough, um, Old Trafford. There's been so many grounds that have hosted semi-finals that mm-hmm. you know I think we should go back to that. Um, but yeah, not to um drag on too long about it, but I just wanted to uh just say my piece that I feel feel that you know the cup's lost its magic.
3: I thought on the FA Cup as well to maybe revitalize that. Why not offer a Champions League spot for the FA Cup winner? I can't see the Premier League agreeing to that. No, I wouldn't can't
1: work, see in my, to wouldn't work, wouldn't work in my opinion. No, because, um, again, you're going to cause a great deal of uproar. Bear in mind that um, the Europa League winners get a Champions League place. The Champions League winners will get a Champions League place. If you try to add some more permutations, um, all all you're going to do is effectively, um, you know, cause a great deal of uh, complications, which um, would be better best avoided. In any case, we do have a Manchester derby coming up in this FA Cup final. So at least we can't say that the big teams aren't taking it seriously. I take your point when you say, um, gentlemen, that the um, Cup has lost maybe a bit of its magic. And I do like the idea of going back to neutral grounds for the semifinal, because back in the day, uh, Wembley was supposed to be the venue for the final. And I do seem to remember Billy Bingham, who also played for and managed Northern Ireland saying that when he scored his winning goal to take Luton Town to the the final then, that was his best ever memory because it got the team to Wembley. And he cherishes that memory to this day ahead of everything that he ever accomplished um, with the green of Northern Ireland. Now, of course, um, if you get a semi-final spot, you end up going to Wembley. It just doesn't make any real um, sense to me. And certainly um, a lot of the uh, big shocks that used to take place over the years, I think they've started to dry up a little bit. One thing I would like to see, and I will be brief on this, is that there was some talk about abolishing, uh, you know, the replays for the for certain ties in the FA Cup. But again, the problem is um, you deny some smaller teams in the um, smaller leagues, non-league teams, or even teams in the lower half of the part uh, of the football league, a chance to have a big payday by going to a bigger ground. So I would like to see a situation where, um, sort of piggybacking off what you said, uh, Matt, going to the nearest uh, neutral ground, um, not quite along that line, but if there were to be um, a tie between, say, a Premier League club and a non-league club, then regardless of who plays at home and away, the venue should be at the bigger club. And it happened before when um, Farnborough Town actually was supposed to play my team Arsenal in the FA Cup not too long ago. It might have been in the early 2000s, if memory serves me right. Yeah. Sky were only, Sports were only willing to um, show coverage of the match if it was played at the 4,100 capacity a Stadium. But um, due to safety issues and some other issues and so forth, it was decided that uh, the it was a sign that Highbury would be the venue. And thankfully, this was also in the days before we moved to um, the Emirates Stadium. So what happened was that Farnborough Town got a terrific day out. They got to treat Highbury as their home stadium. Um, Many more fans got to enjoy a wonderful day out. Shame about the result, the 5-1 walloping, but uh, it worked out well for everyone. But apparently to some people, that would make a mockery of the draw. So at least if you have a situation where the smaller team gets a guaranteed um, payday by going to a bigger ground, it'll at least take away the um, hurt of um, scrapping the replays. Because I think it's fair to say that fixture congestion will always dictate that, uh, you know, um, the FA Cup might end up suffering as a result. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
4: Um, But yeah, just before we quickly move on, um, 1989, Ferguson brought his United side to Dean Court. Uh, drew one one for us to lose one nil back at old trafford. But um moving bang up to date. The Premier League era. Yes. Where we've um managed to earn seven points over the years. But
3: you look at that first one. Oh what a win. What a day that was um Was pinching myself really, and of course it was just a week after that Chelsea one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah.
4: And um, around that period, six vital points on the board at that time. So uh, yeah, I just I just couldn't see Stanislas's corner flying in now, and and United just shell shocked that (laughs) this corner's beaten at the time, probably one of the world's best goalkeepers.
3: Um, yeah. Great day. Great day. And of course that was, um, you always see those, to be honest, those images have always lived with me. Actually, those images of Harry Arter and of course being comforted by Eddie Howe in that game. Um you know, and to be honest, he put in a very, very good shift as well, considering everything that was going on. Um, so, yeah, fair yeah. play. To be honest, you know, um, you know I haven't never really, but I will tell people, you know, I've, I've been through that, you know, and it's one of the most horrible feelings and fair play to Harry for playing through that um, and putting in such a good shift as well. Um, but yeah, that'll always stick with me. That that memory when he come on, yeah, definitely. Um,
4: do we all remember? Well, obviously we all remember the Zoltan game, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, (laughs) that was uh where Mister Mings and uh, Mister Ibrahimovic had their uh, little moment. Um, if I remember rightly, didn't Boric save a penalty from him in that game?
3: I think you might be right. I think you might be right. I'm trying to... Ra- yeah, he did have definitely. He had a penalty, didn't he? Yeah.
4: One of Boric the games, saved it. I think yeah. it's that one, yeah. Um, after that, obviously, is, there's a run of losses. But uh, we did have another home win. Uh, Josh King
3: yes overhead
4: kick was it am i thinking right overhead kick all i can yeah, remember absolutely. was that there'd been a storm the night before uh and me and the wife were in wells and i had to rush all the way back because i think it was a half 12 kickoff as well i think it was on sky okay. so I had to leave was really early in the morning and um i remember getting to the ground for about 20 to 12 um I'm glad I did make it now because uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember there was a terrible storm the night before so I come the long way home from, from Wales yeah. and and um, to miss all those sort of back you know the Bristol way Um, so I drove all the way down the Newbury and then down that way just to make sure because I knew I'd hit I'd come face to face with a fallen tree or something if I went the Bristol way, so, um, or a
3: combine harvester, or
4: a combine harvester, um, <laughs> so, um yeah, no, I remember remember that day, uh, very well. And, uh, United, I'm trying to think who was playing for United that day now. Did they have I'm trying to think who they react? So I remember the home game before, I think they had, um, Pogba, Pogba was in the lineup,
3: wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes.
4: Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, not many wins there, not many points there. But the points that we did get, they're all memorable games mm-hmm. we've had with United. And let's hope that uh, Saturday's another memorable game, all for the right reasons.
3: Most definitely, mate. Most definitely. So there we go. That is our history. Against Manchester United, very short, very sweet. Um, not many games, but lots of memories there. Lots of memories,
4: yeah. Let's hope we wait
3: some more on Saturday. Exactly, exactly. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Also, we'll,
4: we'll give uh, Mr. Mister Howe a little uh, help as well, won't So
3: Most definitely, yeah, most definitely. And that would be, you know, that would be amazing for him and newcastle united of course we had kendall rowan on recently go and watch that video if you want um so that is on the channel um earlier on the week i think it was wasn't it um to be honest time's flown by when you're having fun but we had some good news didn't we the other day and that was the announcement of a player who was his loan contract was made permanent because of our um, survival in the Premier League? Let's bring it up. There we go. AFC Bournemouth completed the permanent transfer of Hamid Triori from Syria. Our side, Sassoulo. Um Do you know what? When I first saw Hamid Triori, I thought, what a fantastic player! Against Man City, he was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding, Um, you know, against one of the best teams. Um, And I'll just read through this as well. So conditions within the original loan agreement have been reached and the Ivorian is now contracted to the Cherries until June 2028. AFC Bournemouth Chief Executive Neil Blake said, we've been really impressed by Hamid since his arrival in January and we're delighted to have him with us for the long term. He's shown he's already capable of performing well at the top level and we're excited to see him develop even further. The permanent signing of Hamid is another mark of our ambition for years. the coming years, building on this season's success to compete once again in the Premier League, I tell you what, that is perfectly written and a very, very good player with a lot of prospects in front of him, isn't he?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a shame that he's he struggled a little bit with injury and fitness, yes. Um, but I reckon, you know, let's get let, let him get a good pre season under his belt, mm-hmm. um let him get some game time over preseason night and i reckon he's gonna probably be one of the first names on the team list next season
3: i completely agree completely agree it's a great
4: great signing um you know like like neil blake said in his statement you know it's showing the ambition of the club you know um and i think this transfer window is going to be very very interesting Mm -hmm. Very interesting with who we see leave the club and who we see the club bring in. Um, It's going to be an interesting window. And this guy signing long term
3: is just the start of it. Completely agree. Um, Here's a question for you both, though. Hamid Traore, now he's signed, is he always intended to be a replacement for Lerma? Considering, of course, the transfer negotiations. I'm sure we'll come to that in a bit, but. Nah. Totally different player. No.
4: Fair enough. Fair he, enough. If this guy here is a creative player. He's, he's yes. the guy that's going to create things. You know, Lerma's mm. your ball winner. You, 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 yes. It's in the middle of the park to win the ball and a, a, a talented at doing it as well. You know, he's, he's good with the ball at his feet, also, Lerma. Mm. But, Chouray. Total different kettle of fish. Totally different position. Definitely is not that answer.
3: No, that's fair enough. We'll come on to Mr. Lerma in a bit. But um, <laughs> I did pick. I picked a number, didn't I? I was, you know, this is the first time yeah. I picked a number. But, yeah. you know, I picked a number. And that's the true number true. I picked was number seven. It's number seven. Should we have a look? Go on. Far is- away.
4: Is it going to be as interesting as Manny's 16? We'll soon find out.
3: Go for it. Well, the
1: first... Certainly sh- should be lucky number sevens, I hope.
4: Yes. Well, there's a few decent players in it. Mm-hmm. There's a few decent players in it, and the I mean, first... they're good
1: players. I just hope they brought about some good fortune to the team. That was what I was saying. Ah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Manny. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first person to be allocated...
4: Now, just a reminder, very quick reminder. This is since shirt numbers have been allocated to individual players from the year of 1999. And the first person to wear the number seven shirt was Ian what? Cox. Legend. We've, we've touched a lot on lately. Um, legend, back at the club. Um, I listened to his podcast the other day on the official AFCB website, on, on their podcast, sorry, should I say rather than website? Website's such an old word now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, highly recommend it. It is a really, really pleasurable listen. Um, yeah. so if you haven't listened to it, um, do give it a listen. But the next man to wear the number seven shirt, Carl Fletcher, yes. Um, like I've said about Carl Fletcher before, um, great player, great midfielder. Um, when he converted to a centre back, and uh, played at played at the back during the playoff final, scored two mm-hmm. goals from two headers from set pieces. Absolute Captain Marvel on the day, um, led the team to that victory. Um, I was going to say fully deserved to move on and play at a higher level when he did move mm-hmm. on um obviously played in the cup final the famous um gerrard cup final for west ham um also played at palace um dipped into management with plymouth and late orient but the orient days didn't uh, go too well um and he's back here now as lone manager i believe um Great servant for the club. Another another one that's come through the Cherries youth ranks. Yeah. Um, that the club then sold on and made money from, which is you know twenty years ago was how the club had to survive.
3: And there is a picture of him with Biggin hold, holding aloft that playoff victory trophy.
4: Yeah. Great day, which uh, yes. which we will soon be covering a bit on, but uh, we well, will be. Well, more about that in a few weeks' time. Yes. Okay. Any guesses? Mm. Stephen Cook. Yes. Yes, a Stephen Cook. Not the Steve Cook, but a Stephen Cook. Um, this guy uh, represented England at a few youth levels. Um and was quite highly respected by Villa, which was his parent yeah. club. Come on loan initially first, uh, the season before he got the number seven shirt. Um, from what I can remember, um, all in all, decent player, but another one that struggled with injury. Yep. Yeah. Um, sadly. Um, but looked looked to be a decent prospect. So that's Stephen Cook.
3: Yeah.
0: Next one. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery at Participating Restaurants 18 Plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonalds.com. Now a man mm-hmm. that we're gonna
4: see quite a lot. We've seen already.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: number four's Mr. Sean Cooper, so we'll um quickly uh move on. Obviously current uh currently assisting Gary O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah former Pompey player. But, um, yeah, when he was at Bournemouth, he had every shirt number apart from number one, I think. But uh, <laughs> he did have a lot of shirt
3: numbers. He was at um, Portsmouth at the same time as Gary, wasn't he as well? Uh, I'm thinking. I don't I've know
4: about that one, Craig. He, when, he,
3: when he joined Pompey,
4: they were already in the championship, I believe.
3: I'm going to have to do a little bit of a search. He played for them in 2013-14, which... Yeah, that must have been Championship, wasn't it? I think so. Oh, yeah. no, couldn't have been.
4: Oh, yes, no, it couldn't have been. That would have been League One. Yeah. But yeah. no,
3: he didn't play alongside gary o'neill because gary o'neill started his career at portsmouth of course left there in 2007 to go to middlesbrough um so yes i've made that up in my head but um yeah in fact in fact you know um so sean cooper was there at a later point yeah interesting well next learn something new every day don't you Favourite of Craigs? Yes, Mr. Sammy Igo. Um, of course, played, another player that played for Portsmouth, didn't he? Um, yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. And um, decent little player. Very, very yeah. small player, but he was, you know, a good, good player. Um, yeah, very good, skillful.
4: Good, tricky. And do you know what? He was quite a strong, strong little stocky player as well. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, played. Really well for us, I thought. Um, in his short time here, I think he was here for two seasons. Yep. Um, forty nine games minus Mm. seventeen in the promotion season, wasn't it? I think he was here.
3: Yes, he was. Uh, Yeah.
4: But yeah, no, good, good little player. Um, not Mm. sure what he's doing now.
3: Don't know if anybody knows what he does now, but um, I don't think I think he's he's one of these players that has completely dropped out of football. Um, so I, I'm really not sure. Um, you know, he, I, well, just, was he signed by Kevin Bond? He was, wasn't he? Yes, Bondy signed him. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it was definitely wasn't Jimmy Quinn. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it was, Bo- yeah, it was Bondy, wasn't it? That signed him. Um, but... we will have a
4: cherry pick in one week when Craig doesn't mention Jimmy Quinn, because he he says he's his least favorite manager, but I secretly think he thinks he's his favorite manager.
3: But anyway, let's move on. I'd be bloody mad. Um, absolutely bloody mad. If (laughs) I thought that legend. Oh, crikey. Yes. And also,
4: also recently our, um, our friend, Mr. Sam Harrison has, uh, had the privilege of, of meeting Puy at a convention and um, going out and socializing with him after the convention. So, um, top bloke, absolute top bloke. Um, probably one of the nicest footballers you would ever meet. Yeah. yeah Gotta so say, absolutely. You know, he has got so much time for people. Mm -hmm. And for fans and he's an absolute credit he really is and um he's having major success with his foodie footballer if you haven't checked it out check his website out um he's doing fantastic in you know from finishing football to the career he's in now he's 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 doing brilliantly and um will forever be a Form of hero,
3: yeah. I tell you what, some of the food he's cooking as well looks oh, absolutely great. gorgeous. He's
4: done some for me, um, and we've like tagged him on Instagram and he's messaged back and stuff like that. You know, the the food, though, is fantastic. I mean, she did me one breakfast dish <laughs> of his, um, with eggs, eggs, and um, something I can't remember what it was to be honest, but all I can remember was it was a taste sensation. <laughs>
3: So, check it out. And there we are. The new Gordon Ramsay played for
1: Bournemouth. <laughs> You're making me hungry, boys. You're making me hungry. <laughs> I'll check that website out very soon. <laughs> for now, for now, you'll have to pick some more uh
4: cherries, Manny, to see you through.
3: Yeah, definitely.
4: <laughs> okay, and Mr. King, obviously, United
3: mm-hmm.
4: for us. Um. For us, he uh, like we've just touched on. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he, was, he was he was a good good player for us. Um, he was whether he was in behind the front man or wider the front man or the front man,
3: um, you know, he's talented player. It just when I see that him in that shirt just makes me think, you know, that was that was just the end of you know him playing. You know, it, it was just disappointing Off, you know, him wearing that, that Vitality shirt, of course, um, that was during the lockdown, wasn't it? Yeah, of course, that. we played in that shirt the following season and it just, it just gives sad memories, really. Um,
4: yeah, it's, um, like I said earlier, it's, it's a shame it ended how it ended, but, um, Yeah, you know, these things happen in football. I mean, it happens every season. They do. And, uh, you know, players move on. But, um, you know, some players are never forgotten. Uh, Yeah. And if we... Should we come bang up to date?
3: Yeah. This man will... You know, he is a legend. He has been through one of the most horrid times. um, And... In fact, when I've, whenever I've met him, he's such a thoroughly decent guy and, you know, we're so pleased that he got that all clear. And he's looking like he's getting back to his his best. He, he will get there, you know. Um, it was always going to be a bit of a struggle at first for David Brooks um, because when you go through all the chemotherapy and, you know, all the treatments... You know, don't get me wrong, I'm not an expert with that side of things, but um, that will take a huge toll on his body. And, you know, in fact, when I was speaking to Algard, who sadly passed away, um, you know, he explained the sort of toll it would be taking on David's body. And it's so good to see him back. Um, Wish he had taken that free kick the other day. Um, Should have taken the free kick. Yeah, he would have got it (laughs) on target. But, um, yeah, a very, very good man. One of the best, you know, down-to-earth footballer um, who I am sure, you know, will get back to his very, very peak. It'd be like a new signing. He will be. He will be. So there we are. There is the number sevens. We do have a number for next week, though, don't we? We certainly do. Next week,
4: uh, courtesy of um, Helen Doe, we will be looking at the number 17.
3: Number 17. Yeah. Excellent. And if anybody's listening on YouTube or the TalkSport Fan Network on one of our platforms now um i won't go through them all again you can probably see in the logo down there um please do go on to the facebook page you'll need to sign up to go on to the facebook page you know all it takes is just inviting yourself or accepting yourself or you know joining i think it's joining isn't it i'm not a facebooker really i think you just join click join and um by all means let us know what number you would like to find out more about so there we are that's what helen did um should we move on to something quite exciting now very very exciting this is let's go for it bill foley has given an update on the future of dean Court. now i've always said before i go into these slides i've always said that I am one, one of those, these people that want us to redevelop Dean Court, build upon Dean Court, because I don't want us to have one of these plastic bowls, that, that the likes of, you could even say St Mary's is that, but you look at, you know, somebody I, I saw the other day, there was a picture of the MK Don Stadium, Stadium MK. And somebody said, Oh, I would love to have this stadium. yeah, it's very, very nice, but it makes me feel you know I've never been there, but from the pictures inside it it looks like a going to a cinema. Um, uh, yeah, I
4: kind of understand why you say
3: that. yeah I want to go to a football ground and that is what Dean Court is, but let's have a look what Bill Foley actually said. So, Bill Foley said the best approach is to try and build a new stadium and to do it economically. Spend 80 to 90 million with the right hospitality and about 20,000 seats. That's sensible. We saw hints of 37, which I think would be a little bit ridiculous. Um, we don't need much more than that, but we do need to open up our ticketing to new fans. And of course, that is a big, big point because at the moment is since 2015, believe it or not, no new season tickets have been able to be issued to fans. Um, so anybody who missed out during that time, and there's plenty of long standing fans who are having to buy tickets for each game and got maximum points and everything like that. Um, if they could all get a season ticket, you know, then it is a lump sum for the football club at the start of the year. Or they, I think they do, a lot of football clubs do, like, credit payments, don't they, now, where you can pay for it um, on a monthly basis. But still, you know, that would be better than, you know, a lot of the scenarios that fans find themselves in here.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree.
3: Um, uh, there you go. So... Chairman Foley continued, They've been using a point system until now. Exactly what I just said. You get a point for attending a game, but that means everyone in the stadium looks like me. Old white guys. We want younger people. The tickets aren't that expensive, but to widen our fan base, we need to expand. We're very intent on accomplishing that mission. He continued, I'm happy with where we're going, but the reality is we need a new stadium. Our other gating issue is that our current training ground is where the stadium will go. So what that means, and this is something that I believe or not, I'm going to blow my own trumpet. Now I'm going to blow my own trumpet. This is something that I mentioned, you know, that once that Camford Magna was built, then that's where the stadium is going to go. So it's going to be built just behind Dean Court, where the uh, the actual training pavilion is, and, of course, the training pitches. Do you reckon it will go onto the athletics track as well? I reckon so. Depends which way they build it. That's a
4: good point. Very good point. Whichever I reckon... Way, whichever way they do do it, obviously... Um... If it is the athletics track, then the club will have to rehome that, which I'd imagine. Um, because as we go further on through this, um, yeah, struck Dean come involved. Um, yes, carry on. I'll give you my thoughts at the end. Carry on,
3: yeah, yeah. Let me, I'll give, I'll give points at the end as well. You, so, you, yeah, whenever you, you've got a point about everything, I know. Yeah, I, I see something, and then okay. Blah, 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 blah. You'll get used to this. Anybody watching on our other platforms, you will get used to this. But I do, there is something ticking along up there. The hamster is going round the wheel, isn't it? Talking of hamsters, did you find it? The hamster has been found. (laughs) The hamster has been found. So, yes, I've asked uh, Libby not to actually let the hamster out from now on. So, yes, she's going to try and not do that. Because if she does do that, then um, I'll have to find the hamster behind the fridge, is which it where it where it likes to hide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're carrying on from that means we need to
4: get our new training facility built and move our first team academy and women's team there. It's north of Bournemouth. We have the space. We have fifty-seven acres. We've built one pitch.
3: There we go. Thank you for just jumping in there, Matt, because That's otherwise fine. I would have been carrying on talking about I'll hamsters. Finish off. I'll finish <laughs> go off. off.
4: We're building the indoor pitch right now and we're just about to start the training facility. It should be ready in the fall of 2024. That will mean we can move our business operations to where the training facility is now so we can work on our stadium plan and have more room for hospitality at the stadium our offices are taking up space that we should be selling. So to me, it doesn't look like we'll have a complete stadium until probably the 2026, 20, 27 season. Cause by the time yes. they move in and then they develop and build, I'd imagine we'd be looking at twenty twenty six, twenty seven season.
3: Yeah.
4: Fair enough. Fair enough. That is I, mean, I think what 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 is there is a sensible plan. Um I know we've heard 37,000 seats, which seemed a bit ambitious. Um I reckon we could probably go up to twenty five. Um so twenty thousand is, is obviously what Bill's planning. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely right. We have got to open up the gate for more fans and for new fans. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that is, is critical. Um, I mean, like I've said before, you know, going back to when I was a kid, you know, we, we would have dreamed of, of, of playing in the premier league, you know, and you know, there's kids out there. Now I see more kids now running around parks and, Football pitches with Bournemouth shirts on than you ever did when I was a kid. Yeah, you know the, the 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 brand. If you talk of it, talk about it as a brand, the brand has grown massively, and everyone should have a fair chance of of of, of going to watch the football. Um,
3: I completely agree. I uh, just think It's only good for know. the
4: future of the club as well. I mean, it, he's he hits the nail on the head by saying "old white men." White haired men. Um mm-hmm. there isn't probably as many old white haired men in the stadium as he as he thinks, but there does need to be new new blood brought in for the future of the club.
3: Yeah, uh, completely agree. Yeah, and I think, you know, what we we've got such a big catchment area. You know, we're the only Premier League side now in this area. All right, yes, I've happened to have gone now. But, um, you know, you think about what our scope is. So we've got the whole of Dorset. Dorset is big. We're the only club in Dorset, really, um, that a professional football club. Um, Somerset as well. Somerset hasn't got a football league club. Yes, there's Bristol on at the doorstep of North Somerset. But, you know, we could tap into that. And then, of course, some of Hampshire as well. Um, So there is a lot of scope that if we do it right, we've got a lot on our doorstep. But of course, he's going to look at the global brand as well of this football club, which I think is important. Um, Yeah. I mean,
4: it's, I would imagine they would build the stadium in a way that if they needed to expand it, it could be expanded. Whereas Dean Court, it does have its difficulties with the setup that's there now.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, which, you know, it would be lovely just to stay where we are. Um, But looking at it practically, you know, yeah, you can maybe fill the corners in. Yes, you could build a double-tier stand where the Ted McDougall stand is now. You know, you could probably add a tier to possibly the main stand. But I, I think it's probably the main thing for me is that it's staying on Kings Park. Agree. Yes, agree. Um, that's the main thing for me, um, because that is home. That is where the cherries belong.
2: Um, yeah.
4: That's partly how they got the cherries nickname, because the ground was uh, the, the current site where we moved to in um, 1910 it was an old cherry orchard. Yeah. And that's why we are known as the cherries. So our soul, our spirit is in Kings Park. So for me, um, I'm relieved that we're staying in uh, King's Park. There's loads of rumours over the years that, you know, we were moving to, you know, at one point we were moving to Canford Magna was the rumour, Yeah. Um, which was a stupid rumour. Then the other one was that we were going to be building a stadium on Iford golf course and mm. there were so many rumours going around and it just, nothing ever sat right with me to be fair, yeah. um, apart from standing Kings
3: Park. Yeah, most definitely. Ah. Let's look at the next piece. Structure Dean. Um, so, of course, I'll just read through this bit and then uh, give the thoughts on Structure Dean. Foley, on the situation with structured Dean, the property company who own the three stands of the Vitality Stadium, we have an advantage because it can only be a stadium and we only have five years on our lease. The clock is ticking. We know they'll sell us the stadium at a reasonable price and that price gets more reasonable the longer we wait. If we move out, I guess they could go back to the council and say, we'll tear it down and build affordable housing, which is fine, but that could take a while. So time is on our side. The thing is, is if I'm right in thinking still, that ground, that land that Dean Court is on can only be used for sporting purposes.
4: Yeah, in the deeds, it states that that land can only be used for recreational purpose. It can't be used to build on. So So, Dean would have a a mighty battle with the council to, to build on it. Um, but then again, you know, it it, it, is what you got to look at it from struck Dean's, let's look at it from struck Dean's perspective. Now they bought the stadium for, I believe 2.3 million pound. I think it was. Yes. Um, when was it? 2004, five, something like that. Peter yeah. Phillips was chairman at the time. Yes, and you think of the rent that they've had on that stadium from then till present day. Bearing in mind, the rent's gone up over the years. They have probably made that 2.3 million back a hundred times over, if not more, yeah. out of the rent out of the football club now what what is what is business strategy or business sense from struck dean's perspective is it let's let the lease run out and then we try and build on the land and make loads of money struck dean will know that there's chances that they won't be able to build on it yeah so it would make sense to sell it back to the football club now where bill Foley's being clever is exactly like he says, run the lease down and as the lease gets lower and lower and lower and lower, Dean are going to want to sell it quicker.
3: Yeah, completely agree. And Bournemouth,
4: or Phil Foley's ownership, administration of the football club, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. will then probably make Dean an offer and it'd be a take it or leave it offer. Now, Eddie Mitchell also told yourself on the interview that we've had on the channel that Dean are very um, good people, good people to work alongside, good people to negotiate and talk to. So, and, and from what Bill Foley's saying here, that just confirms what Eddie Mitchell's told us previously.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think what it is going to be a case of is... The, the club are quite happy with the current arrangement because we've got years on the lease now. Um, we're, we do need to build a new stadium because, you know, of course, Eddie Mitchell during that interview as well said that, you know, of course, we could build and get up to that sort of, you know, fill in the corners and get up to a certain reasonable um, capacity. But... It is whether we go beyond that. So at the end of the day, you know, if we built that but couldn't expand it any further whatsoever because it was impossible, you're stuck. Whereas Mm. if you build a purpose built ground that might be starting off at 25,000 and we stay in the Premier League for a number of years, we're packing it out every game, you might go, right, okay, let's stick another. 10,000 seats on it which at that point you know it's not going from 11,000 to 37,000 it's going from 25,000 knowing that you can fill that to 35,000 and that's yeah, I mean, the way it should be That the stadium
4: will be designed in a way that if development is needed it will have the room and the spec to do it Um by staying, at, staying in this current stadium like you said fill the corners in do what you can to it but then where else can you go if you do need to expand again and this is where I think Bill Foley and his people have been pretty much through everything with a fine tooth comb and have realised that this stadium you can't stay in this stadium um, as a Premier League club any longer Um, i miss it though If you look at the lease that they've just signed on the temporary stand, Mm -hmm. which is, if you do the maths on it, it's pretty much bang up to date for when a new stadium should be completed by. Yeah. So um, I think this is all promising. Um, And, you know, when you read things like this, you know, the club's in good hands.
3: Yeah. To be honest, I will miss the current Dean Court. I don't know whether or not it'll be called Dean Court. I still miss the old one. Exactly. I still have fond, very fond
4: memories of the old one. So, you know, to leave this one as well um, and think of all the moments we've had in this one just in the mm-hmm. 20 years it's been built, you know, it, it, you know, administrations, relegations, promotions, you know, minus 17, you know, Premier League, you know, Real Madrid. Yeah, I mean, you could sit here all night and just talk about the memories at this one stadium in the last twenty years,
3: let alone the old stadium as well. So, um, sadly, though, for evolution and. If we want to, and let's be honest, we never want to go back down, you know, okay. You know, never ever want to go back down to the league one league two days. You know, there is a possibility that one day in the future, you know, touch wood, it won't be for a long time that might happen. But at the same time, you want to be sustainable. You want to have that infrastructure and that legacy from these years that this club is then, because of that period, left in a bigger state. We've seen clubs, Oldham, for example, you know, who have been promoted to the Premier League, um, albeit a long, long time ago. And they now find themselves in the National League, you know, with a stadium that probably hasn't moved forwards that much. It's probably it's bigger than Dean Court, but at the same time, you know, I think it is proof in this football club and making this football club bigger, progressing the football club.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Completely agree. Completely agree. It's, um, I mean, I think one, in one of our earlier podcasts, gentlemen, we were talking a great deal about, um, you know, how certain clubs over the years have had to move on from their former homes and move on to bigger and uh, newer environs to sort of help sustain themselves. Obviously, when you take a look at the likes of Sunderland, for instance, um, you know, I think um, obviously they lost the uh, playoff semi final to Luton, if memory serves me right, but they still obviously wanted to move from. Uh, Roker Park to the Stadium of Light to make sure that they would be more sustainable as a club in the future and then of course you talk about my beloved Arsenal how we moved from Highbury with all of those beautiful memories to um, the Emirates Stadium in my um, group you will see that a lot of um, fans actually curse the day we moved to the Emirates because since then we've never really achieved anything except for maybe a few FA Cups here and there Mm -hmm. And uh, there seems to be a lack of soul around the place. So it is good, obviously, um, for the purposes of evolution, as you said, that you want to move to somewhere bigger and better. But I think the most important thing is not so much to... um, I mean, obviously, you've got to make sure that you expand the place, but also you've got to create more of an atmosphere around the place. It needs to be something that will really, really want the fans um, to keep coming back. And um, the biggest issue with um, the Emirates Stadium... I mean, obviously, there are some issues with the construction and there are still some there, there were some issues about the stadium uh, debt, which thankfully were resolved. But a lot of old school fans go to the Emirates Stadium and say, you know what? We yearn for the days of Highbury. We yearn for the good old days. You want to make sure that the New Place has some character. You are saying goodbye to a good deal of history. But again, what you said, Craig, about how the uh, limited capacity of Dean Court means that you've got to try to move on. Um, it'll dictate that, obviously, you've got to try to move to a newer phase. You can't keep staying in the old place um, forever. And it would make a lot of sense to sort of run down the lease and convert that old stadium into um, housing because, um, you know, there's a housing shortage right now in the UK. I'm sure you all know that. And, uh, you know, that has to be, um, you've got to make sure you you do that. You can't just keep it as a stadium
3: forever. So let's have a look about Jefferson Lerma because there's been some interesting news about him that has come out over the past couple of days. So the Lerma saga has continued. Everything is possible. I've never rejected an offer from the club We've always been in dialogue, and I've waited to make the best decision for both of us. I'm grateful to count on the people here, but now is the time to reach an agreement that works for, out best for both from any point of view. For me, if there was a breakdown in talks with the club, it would be in the news. We are waiting and taking the best decision for both of us. And do you know what? I'm going to say this now. I believe every word he said there, I think what he's trying to do is, of course, we all know Jefferson Lerma's English isn't particularly great. You know, we know of course that he was, he was in Spain beforehand before he come here and you know, he's got some great suitors in Spain. He's got some great, great suitors in Germany, as well as Italy. Um, of course, some other clubs in the premier league. Um, but I think what he's saying there is very, very honest, very to the point. And let's be honest. He didn't quit on us when we was relegated to the championship. This man didn't quit on us. Um, so personally, I think, um, I think he's got every right to say what he's saying and I think over the next couple of days next week I think this might all be sorted one way or another
4: yeah I mean I hope you're right Um, like I say I mean I'm one of these that I believe it when I see it Um, and once he's put pen to paper and he remains a Bournemouth player then I'll be be
3: extremely happy can you imagine and I'll tell you what, Jefferson, if you're listening to this, can you imagine the cheers in that crowd on Saturday if you have done it by then and it's announced? So go on, Jefferson, grab that pen and sign that contract for us because we absolutely love you here.
4: I totally agree. Um,
3: yeah,
4: we all want to see him next
3: season. Most Definitely. Yeah hundred percent most definitely should we have a look at a player though who is being linked within the move away as well
4: yeah th- this is an interesting one so marcos sensei has been linked to manchester city this coming summer
3: this is crazy
4: um at first i thought really now, I like Marcos Sensei. So um, do I. I think he's a good player. Really, really do. Um, but when I saw the name that they were going to bring him in for, um, which uh, Manny will pronounce for me now, because <laughs> I can't remember. Uh,
1: La- Americ Laporte.
4: That's it. Um, would Sensei be a good fit to... F- take over from from him quite possibly yeah i think so um would i want to see him leave the club absolutely not mm-hmm. but money talks in football doesn't it uh um, it does and if they come in with a decent offer that the club think well we can go out and buy so-and-so to replace him then maybe he may he may uh part ways with with, with us but um I do hope not, because I, I, I've enjoyed watching him this season.
3: Yeah, most definitely.
1: Most he certainly definitely. hasn't looked too bad whenever he's pulled on the uh, uh, the red and black jersey. <laughs> and obviously, um, you know, given how well City have been doing, how well they plan to do, what Guardiola's trying to do is build um, a squad. He sees Teneci as someone who could... Um, uh, you know, add to the strength of the defence, because at times, um, before now, this current run, they looked quite shaky at the back. And even now, um, Guardiola has been trying some different formations with his defence. Yesterday against Madrid in the Champions League, he played a 3-2-4-1 with John Stones as more of a defensive midfielder, but that could easily transition back into a 4-3-3 if, needed, if need be. But in the end, it was um, academic because they literally put Carlo Ancelotti's um, team to the sword. And um, Sinesi could be seen as an option to sort of add some squad depth. I don't know if he will necessarily play, but maybe he's seen as someone who can um, provide some good competition for the existing defenders. And bear in mind, of course, that the ex-Cherry, Nathan Ackie, is very much a part of that defence. Mainly as a centre-back, but he has been used as, an, as a, a sort of a wing-back this season. And, of course, now, sadly, the poor fellow is injured. I think quite a few of their defenders will be moving on. You've mentioned that Emmerich Laporte will definitely be um, on his way. And yeah. uh, it could be that one or two others might end up leaving. Carl um, Walker is one who could be on his way. Cancelo is certainly not wanted back at City. He's not wanted at Bayern Munich. There is talk of Cancelo coming to Arsenal. I do not want that to happen. The, uh, the prospect of two inverted full backs on either side does not fill me with uh, any level of excitement whatsoever. So um, it is a case of money talking and Sanessi uh, might. I mean, Senesi might really need to know to learn about what's happened to Calvin Phillips this season before being so eager to move to City. I think um, Hopefully, if um, for his sake, if he believes that he is an important part of this uh, Bournemouth team and he is valued by Gary O'Neill, he will decide to stay. But as you both have said, money talks. And then, of course, um, on Lerma, do you know about his injury? Is he a bit better now after that broken nose? I, I'm not
3: sure. Nothing really has come out of it, but I'm guessing that... He'll be fine. He's a tough cookie anyway, isn't
4: he? Yeah, I mean, uh, mean, at worst, he'll have to wear a face mask, maybe. But to be fair, um, he didn't really bleed, did he, when it happened? But when you saw the picture close up, you could tell his nose was broken. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, he should be all fit and raring to go coming the
3: weekend. Definitely, definitely. Well... Shall we go and have a look at our Hall of Fame? Because um, it's been an interesting one this week, hasn't it?
4: Yes, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's drummed up uh, quite a bit of interest. And um, one of the candidates himself um, has joined our Facebook pages and um, has been chatting to a fan on there, which we'll see very shortly. But um, He has. He has. It's been nice. but um, Go on. Take it away. Let's take it away. Let's do it. So, to enter the Up the Cherries and All Departments Hall of Fame this week, we have the one and only Paul Morrell. Yes. Um, who joins the likes of Super Fletch and Harry Redknapp and whoever else we've got in there. Um, but the polls were so close this week, so close to where the point of... It was head to head and ended up being absolutely spot on level. So, joining Paul this week in the Hall of Fame is his teammate, John Williams.
3: There we are. Willow.
4: Willow. So, former assistant manager to to Mel Machin and uh, former defender playing under Harry Redknapp. let's have a look at the bit of the social media um yes so as you can see our twitter polls at the top there 45.9 percent both paul and willow had um to the point where um a regular person that posts in our um chats and on our um Facebook page, Mike Pike, yep. he made a statement of, how do you choose one from that list? It's Sophie's choice, in my honest opinion. I cannot vote against two of them. Mozza was never present. Willow is a legend with a great sense of humour. I once amused him when I phoned the club to buy a ticket and got through to him in the changing rooms. <laughs> now, now, Mike Pike, if you are on our pages, you will see Mike pretty much daily post something. Um, so uh, he, he's um, he's always, a good man. It's always, it's always good to see um, Mike's name pop up on our pages, but yeah. um, as you can see, just around there, a few people uh, John Frampton, um, put John Williams in the comment, um, John Rose, Rick Peach, Danny Stewart, Judy Lamb, all mentioned Paul Morrell um, and then. Paul decided to um, join the page and uh, had a conversation with John Frampton, which you can see there, where he's uh, welcomed him to the group and um, asked if he was still involved in football. And obviously, Moz has been polite enough to come back and give him an answer. So um, obviously letting him know that he still watches the Cherries at home in the East Stand and goes away sometimes. Uh, to the point where John's even asked if he still go down the Bournemouth Electric Club, which, um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, is um, a local uh, football club, which has a bar and everything down at the Broadway. Yes. So which you guys No, mate, not been in there for ages. Good times, though. So it was nice to see that um, everyone was interacting. So this really got everybody liking and sharing and chatting and... Is what this is all about, really? You know, um, so it's uh, yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, to most see. definitely, most and, definitely. let um, will take a quick look at the Hall of Famers. How as how, how it stands tonight?
3: Yep, there and we this are. Is our current Hall of Fame. Just a note, actually, on the, the voting, because of course I can see and I can access, you know, what is going on in that poll from the UTC IAD FCB Twitter handle. It was crazy because one minute it looked like Paul Morrell was going to win it. One minute it looked like Willow was going to win it. Then back to Morrell, then to Willow. And it kept dotting between the two of them. Um, And then, of course, when it came to the end, it was dead on. So there we go.
4: Wow. Interesting. It was good. But uh, this week, we do have another three candidates. Go now, for it, far away. I was thinking of three players to put in there. and um, So I've come up with players that had played in the top flight for the majority of their careers, if not all of their mm-hmm. careers, and um, eventually made the trip down south to represent Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, in their twilight years, should we say. So the first candidate up this week for the Up the Chairs and All Departments Hall of Fame is...
3: Drum roll, please. Darren
4: Anderton. So former Spurs and England World Cup goal goalscorer. Um, signed on a free in 2006 on a pay-as-you-play contract. Um, he obviously went on to captain the club and ended his playing days with a screamer of a goal in a dire game with Chester City. Uh, played 78 games in the red and black, scoring 13 times. So Darren Anderton will be our first candidate this week for the Cherries Hall of Fame. And our second candidate this week is Mark Steen, um, who joined the Cherries on loan in 1998 um, from obviously Premier League Club Chelsea, um, made the move permanent that summer. Um, was the first player to score over 25 goals in a single season. Um, that This has been done actually since uh, Mac did it in the 70s, I believe. So um, it was uh, nice to see a striker come up with quite a substantial number of goals. Um, yes. 166 appearances, hitting the net 44 times. And our final one, this might be an interesting one that might interest Manny. Um, our final candidate tonight is Jimmy Case. Jimmy
1: Case. Uh... So, yeah,
4: former former Liverpool player um, signed by Harry Redknapp um, just in time for the 1991-92 season. He played 40 games that year and uh, netted one goal. Um, very, very uh, famous ex-Liverpool player who played for Liverpool for a long, long time. Um and has also won the uh red and black of Bournemouth.
3: There so we go. Our,
4: that would be our three candidates for the Hall of Fame this week.
1: Excellent fine stuff. Fine selection, and- fine selection, fine selection. And uh you know, I was thinking that when you said it was gonna interest me, I thought that you were going uh you were probably gonna say uh Jackie wilshire but the problem is I don't think he really played um I don't know if he played really long enough um for uh, for you guys, and injuries were affecting his career. But um, Anderson, obviously, um, storied career. I think he retired, of course, after that game, and I believe that was an 89th-minute winner on which he retired. So, Roy of the Rovers stuff, I believe that was his 599th career game, and um, it was one short of the Magic um, 600. They call him sick note for a reason, but i tell you what, when he was um, fit and on form, he was absolute quality. And uh, I mean, Case obviously was um, well before my time. And when I started watching football, I think um, his career had already wound down a bit, but uh, I mean, his longevity is um, amazing.
3: Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, we have picked our player of the seasons as well. Haven't we? We have,
4: um, should we take a look at I'll explain.
3: Yeah, go for it.
4: Right. Okay. So the up, oh, the cherries in all departments player of the season. So basically myself, Craig, Matt, um, Max and Sam of each picked our personal player of the season. um, And what we will be doing is the players that we select, um, we will be putting onto a Twitter poll um, to be crowned the overall player of the season. So, first one, you can see his smiley face there.
3: (laughs) You picked possibly the worst picture of me. (laughs) Mr. Craig Beasley, um,
4: who has picked Jefferson Lerma. Go on then, Craig.
3: Yeah, this was a difficult one because there's a justification for picking about four or five players. Um, but he's been solid, a tough, links everything up well um, in midfield. He'll do the attacking and defending as well. And I'm desperate for him to stay. Absolutely desperate for him to stay. So I think it was between Jefferson and Phil Bill for me. But I think Jefferson just shades it.
4: Right, yeah. So, Jefferson Lerma for Craig. Sam, um, who people know from from this podcast and free-for-alls, he has chosen Dominic Slanke, and that's because um, his work rate this season has been unreal. He may have not scored a lot of goals, but he has assisted and ran around the whole pitch to support the players and get up the pitch. So, Sam's player of the season is Dom Solanke. D, 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 Dom, Dom, Dom Solanke. And Max, um, he has also chosen Jefferson Lerma as his player of the season. Um, And he has said, the reason why I've chose him is because he has done very well this season as a player controlling the midfield really well most games and scoring lots of goals recently um that's the exact words he sent me in a text message bless him um yep. so yeah so that is uh his player of the season and my player of the season is Neto um and like I've said time and time again on free rules and on this program um he's been outstanding I think between the sticks um yep. I think he has been firmly in the middle of two major decisions that Gary O'Neill has had to make as manager. Um, firstly, bringing him in as number one. yeah, it's a big decision and a decision that paid off. And the second big decision was to make him captain um, because obviously he's brought the players together. He's led the players in a really good manner um to the point where all the playing squad do look up at him um and that's exactly what you want from your leader um so for me
3: it is netto there we go so you will have the choice to pick between netto dom solanke or jefferson lerma um so please do that on Twitter. You can also comment on Facebook as well. Um, And any other social media platform you want to Instagram as well. Uh, We forget about Instagram a lot of the time, but I think we better wrap it up there um, because it's been a long show. Um, Like I say, Welcome to everybody listening to us from the Talk Sport fan network, wherever you may be. And please do hit the follow, the like, subscribe. Um, I will get as much content as possible over from the YouTube channel for your ears. So you can download it and listen to it on the go uh, when you're walking down the beach um, or, or walking on you... the training ground or... You beat me to it there. It was going to be the build-up to that. It was going to be going to the gym or walking your dog around the training field like Jimmy Quinn. Um, He's he's never going to come on this show, is he?
1: Not Um, after listening to what you keep saying about him, he won't. (laughs) (laughs) But,
3: yeah, Matt, thank you again, mate, as always. And we will be at the Manchester United game. We will be doing a free-for-all as well, won't we? On Sunday at eight o'clock,
4: yes, yeah, that'd be the normal free for all. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, see everybody then,
3: yep, and of course, Manny, great to see you again, mate. And you'll be here for next week's, well, I guess it's the last cherry picking of the season, but we will be doing cherry pickings throughout, um. Or we might take a week or two off at times, but um, yeah, we'll be we'll be going. Won't be it won't be
4: as frequent, will they? They'll no,
3: be, exactly. we we'll Might
4: do maybe two or three over the summer, depending on what happens, what materializes, because we have got quite a busy um, summer of content lined up as well. So yeah, there will be a um, few shows in the mix. We don't more. stop, do we? no not really no um no that's the point i've got to schedule something now for next week actually which you just reminded me <laughs> um, which will be out
3: <laughs> probably next week there we are um also with regards to the everton game we will announce a couple more details about that a little bit closer to the time let's get this week out of the way but then we'll focus on the Everton game and um, I'm sure we'll be doing something quite special for that. Won't we?
4: Yeah, I'm sure we will.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So until the next show, thank you for joining us. Thank you for lending us your ears as well. If you're listening to us on Spotify for the first time and also thank you to everybody on YouTube over and out. We'll see you in the next one up the cherries.